This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the state reports 222 more fatalities from COVID-19 and almost 14,000 new cases of the disease. The hospitals are getting crowded. We went down to about 2,200 hospitalizations in September. And then in December, late November, December, we started to increase pretty significantly. Right now, we're at a little over 8,100. Florida Surgeon General Scott Rivke spent all week making rounds in the legislature, facing more questions about the vaccination campaign. There is some concern in, in my community and in my area that we have gotten about 1.5 million doses, but we've only disseminated and only put half of that in arms. But if you really want to find out why the vaccine program is chaotic, the man to talk to is Emergency Management Director Jared Moskowitz. He says the feds are not delivering as much as they promised as soon as they promised. Did we have a plan? Yes, we did. Are we following the plan? Yes, we are. So what's not working? What changed? What has affected the plan? Supply, allocations, lack of information. Moskowitz spoke to members of the House Pandemic Committee right after they passed a bill to crack down on people who commit fraud during a pandemic. The bill up for consideration today is, is House Bill 9, protecting consumers against fraud during a pandemic by Representative Zika. Can we all take a moment and chuckle that Representative Zika is presenting a, a vaccine bill? And more gloom and doom on the new state budget. The chair of the Senate Appropriations Committee says this will not be a fun year. It's always enjoyable when you can come up here and, and do the people's work and you have the ability to pay for the things that need to be done and the great ideas that are out there. Um, and unfortunately, this is not going to be that year. We'll also have your calendar of events and the story of a Florida man whose kids will apparently be following him to the Sunshine State when he leaves the White House. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, January 15th. This is National Hat Day and National Bagel Day. It was on this day in 1978 that Ted Bundy went on a rampage at Florida State University. Margaret Bowman and Lisa Levy died at the Cuyahoga Sorority House. Three other young women suffered horrible injuries but survived. I was a reporter for the FSU student newspaper at the time and witnessed Bundy's execution in the electric chair at Florida State Prison in 1989. Never been a big fan of capital punishment, but never met anyone more deserving. Florida's surge of coronavirus cases shows no signs of letting up. The state health department reporting 222 more fatalities Thursday. The official death toll now stands at 23,981. We'll go over 24,000 when the totals are updated today. Mary Mayhew, the CEO of the Florida Hospital Association, says the number of COVID patients that they're caring for is also on the rise. In July, our peak was a little over 10,000 hospitalizations. Right now we're at a little over 8,100. And we've been gradually, we, we went down to about 2,200 hospitalizations in September. And then we've had a very, had had a very slow increase. And then in December, late November, December, we started to increase pretty significantly. While we all are optimistic that post this holiday trend of the increased COVID hospitalizations that we will start to see the downward trend again in hospitalizations and the combined impact of the vaccination. It is a reality that if that does not occur, uh, we are challenged right now with workforce issues that will only worsen 
402 new COVID hospital admissions were confirmed on Thursday. The health department also reported 13,720 new cases of COVID-19. The number of infections since the start of the pandemic in Florida, 1,531,192. More COVID questions for the state Surgeon General. It was a busy week for Dr. Scott Rivkes as he made the rounds of legislative committees because lawmakers have lots of questions about the pandemic and the vaccinations. Rivkes' latest stop was the Senate Select Committee on Pandemic Preparedness and Response, where Senator Gail Harrell of Stewart asked him the question that so many of her constituents are asking her. There is some concern in in my community and in my area that we have gotten about 1.5 million doses, but we've only disseminated and only put half of that in arms. And can you give us some indication as to what what is the holdup? What is the why is this happening? I get this question all the time. Dr. Rivkes. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so first. Uh, Just because a vaccine may be stored in a refrigerator today, that does not mean that it's not going to be used tomorrow. So, for example, this week, uh, we received uh, about 250,000 doses of either Pfizer or Moderna for uh, vaccination events. We also received about another 170,000 units of vaccine for second doses. So this is a vaccine which is a very complicated vaccine. Uh, Individuals need to be be pre-registered. They need to be screened for uh, situations where they shouldn't receive the vaccine. After individuals are vaccinated, they have to be monitored for either 15 or 30 minutes. So a county health department, so for example, let's suppose they get 2,000 doses, they won't use those 2,000 doses all the same day they may spread it out over five days. So rest assured that the vaccines that we have on hand, uh, those will be going in people's arms as quickly and as safely uh, as as possible. Also, uh, in terms of reporting and registration, uh, reporting at the Florida shots, we know there is a little bit of a delay which which is going on there. So in terms of the numbers, I talked about, uh, you know, data show three, qu- uh, three quarters of a million. Uh, I know that number is actually higher, and the reporting will catch up with that. So uh, this narrative that vaccine is sitting in freezer and it's just waiting there, uh, I assure everybody that all the vaccine that we have in freezers right now is allocated for prompt administration. Florida's vaccination program for COVID-19 has been under a lot of fire lately for overpromising and underdelivering. But the guy in charge of distributing the vaccine says the fault lies with the feds. Emergency Management Director Jared Moskowitz says this is week five of the vaccine rollout and production has not ramped up as promised. So states are receiving fewer doses than expected. And Moskowitz says it's impossible for them to plan more than a week in advance because that's all the notice they get from the feds. So people have asked about the plan. Did we have a plan? Yes, we did. Are we following the plan? Yes, we are. So what's not working? What changed? What has affected the plan? Supply, allocations, lack of information. So on week one, we find out our allocations. We find our allocations in a system called Tiberius. This is the federal system that's provided by Operation Warp Speed. The problem is we can only see six days ahead, not two weeks, not three weeks, but six days. We find out on a Tuesday what we're gonna get the following Monday. 
So when people say, where is the long-range planning, the federal government doesn't tell us. They don't tell me what I'm getting in two months. They don't tell me what I'm getting next month. I can't tell you what I'm getting in two weeks. Week two, we realize hospitals are not moving fast enough. One reason is they believe they have to split their allocation and hold on to doses for the second shot, even though that's not what we told them, even though that's not what the CDC told them, and even though that's not what Operation Warp Speed told them. Why? Why was that happening? It was happening because when they asked us when we were receiving their second dose, we couldn't tell them. We couldn't instill the confidence in the hospital system that they were getting their second dose because we weren't provided the date of delivery because we only get information six days at a time. Hospitals felt they had a moral obligation to hold on to those doses until we could provide them information, adding delay. Then in week three, we get 280,000 doses. Week two, we got 500,000. We were told doses were gonna ramp up week over week. Week two, we get, two, get 500,000. Week three, 280,000. An almost 50% decline from the previous week. This was not what we planned on. The plans were built around doses increasing week over week, as Operation Warp Speed told us. Florida sent doses of the vaccine to all 67 county health departments because that is where the majority of the freezers were located for storage. And we sent them to FHQCs to make sure that there was vaccine available to our underserved population. The good news is by the middle of week three, we get the information. The second shot appears in Tiberias and we can tell the hospitals that they're gonna get the second shot. Week four, we now know we have a problem with supply. As in week four, we get 250,000 continuing to drop down from the previous week. Providers are now concerned about running out of vaccine, also leading to providers not giving it out fast enough. Week five, which we are now in, we received the same amount as week four, 250,000. Let me tell you how that breaks down. We need about 40,000 doses a week for the long-term care mission. We need 30,000 doses for Publix. 6,000 doses for church missions. That leaves around 170,000 doses a week for 67 counties. The smallest counties get about 100 doses a week based on 65 and older population allocations. But all of Dade County is getting 20,000 doses a week. At that pace, based on the supply controlled by the federal government, it will take 100 weeks to vaccinate the county. This is why it's a supply issue. Moskowitz also told members of the House Pandemic and Public Emergencies Committee to get used to face masks. He says we'll need to continue with masks and social distancing for some time. I know we want to get to the end of this nightmare. I want to get to the end of this nightmare as fast as possible. I know what it's like not to visit a loved one in the hospital right now or be there with my own dad during his cancer treatments. I know people who have lost loved ones. They couldn't see them in their final moments. They couldn't have proper funerals. It's not lost on me that even while we do everything we can to get this vaccine out, people are gonna get sick over the next couple of months and people are going to die. Trust me, it takes a toll on you every day. People are still going to have to wear masks. We have to be honest with them. We have to tell them they still have to social distance. They have to do the mitigation measures for the foreseeable future for probably almost all of this year. Dr. Fauci has said it's gonna take a year to vaccinate the country. I pray it doesn't take that long. 
Of course, not everyone believes in the efficacy of face masks. Senator Keith Perry of Gainesville serves on the Senate Select Committee on Pandemic Preparedness and Response, and let's just say he's not a fan. Probably 99.99% of everybody who has a mask on is wearing it inappropriately. My guess is this is one of the dirtiest things that we can have is an inappropriate used mask. I know that gloves that are used that aren't that are, we touch things and we think that we're safe. I was in a store, I won't mention the name, where I saw a lady uh, in the produce aisle with a, an elderly lady with a mask on who sneezed into the produce. Uh, so I'm not sure, and we, we need to look at this, as are we having a false sense of security by telling people to do a certain thing when in fact uh, we're spreading this, when people sneeze into their mask or do other things in their mask and then they're touching things. Uh, I've, I've experienced this uh, watching this and, and reading a lot of stuff on uh, personal protection uh, equipment and how it should be used. So these are things I think that are important. We need to delve into that. Senator Perry was not wearing a mask, but most lawmakers are using them and they're pretty well protected. House and Senate leaders have limited attendance at committee meetings and set up remote sites where lobbyists can watch the action and testify virtually. Of course, anytime there's a crisis, there's always someone who figures out how to turn that into a scam. Deputy Florida Attorney General John Gard says the same thing is happening now with COVID-19. At each stage of the pandemic, we have seen scammers and fraudsters try to take advantage of Florida consumers and the deadly fear that COVID-19 has caused. The Consumer Protection Division saw scams in its complaints when there was a shortage of uh, masks, gloves, and protective personal equipment. has seen similar scams in its complaints with respect to the rollout of testing and offers of treatments and, and cures for COVID-19. And with a high demand of vaccine, we expect to see additional scams or attempts to defraud Floridians with vaccine distribution and rollout. We are monitoring reports in other jurisdictions and believe it's only a matter of time before we have active reports of scams here. At each stage of the pandemic, we have utilized the power that the legislature has already provided the department under Florida's Deceptive and Unfair Trade Practices Act to investigate, take down, and stop false and misleading scams of Florida consumers. But the Attorney General would welcome additional tools, and clearer authority to respond to these unprecedented challenges. And that's where House Bill 9 comes in. It's sponsored by Representative Ardean Zika of Pasco County. And if you're wondering why I didn't make a joke about his last name, it's because the chairman of the pandemic committee, Thomas Leake of Ormond Beach, beat me to it. The bill up for consideration today is, is House Bill 9, protecting consumers against fraud during a pandemic by Representative Zika. Can we all take a moment and chuckle that Representative Zika is presenting a, a vaccine bill? Representative Zika, you are rec recognized to present the bill. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, members, this is an important legislation that protects Florida consumers against fraud during a pandemic. Uh, House Bill 9 establishes uh, criminal penalties and authorizes civil remedies to protect Floridians from fraud as they seek to get vaccinated during a pandemic. Recently, the federal, state, and local officials have warned Florida consumers to be careful of offers to get special access to the COVID-19 vaccines in exchange for money. They often use these fraudsters, authentic looking but fake websites, to lure unsuspecting consumers into paying for vaccines or appointments that never materialize. This piece of legislation, members, sends a loud and clear message to the fraudsters that Florida House of Representatives will protect Florida consumers against fraud during a pandemic. 
What kind of scams are we talking about here? Well, 10 days ago, scammers created fake Eventbrite accounts posing as the Pasco and Pinellas County Health Departments, offering to take payment in exchange for COVID-19 vaccination appointments. On the same day, scammers also attempted to obtain credit card information in return for a vaccine appointment by intercepting calls made to the Lee County COVID-19 vaccination registration hotline. The coronavirus is still battering Florida's economy. Unemployment applications soared last week as the U.S. Department of Labor reported 75,000 new applications from Florida. That is triple the previous week. Our official unemployment rate is 6.4 percent. But state economist Amy Baker told the Senate Budget Committee the real number is higher, in part because we still haven't recovered all the jobs that vanished last year. The change was breathtaking. From one month to the next, we, we essentially went from a rate that was near the 50-year low to a rate that was near a 50-year high. So an incredibly quick, sharp shock to the economy. Job creation is still negative at this point in time. We lost about uh, 1.2 million jobs um, as we went into the heart of the pandemic. Um, We've regained nearly 60% of those jobs through November. We had incredible good results coming out of the, the first part of the pandemic, but we still have a long way to go. And the other thing that we're watching very carefully, because it, it raises some question on is the unemployment rate really reflective of what's going on in the economy, and that's the participation rate. Florida's uh, participation rate is very low. Um, those people that are not actively looking for a job are not, in, not counted in an unemployment rate. So the unemployment rate, 6.4%, effectively is probably worse as you look throughout the state. Senate Appropriations Chair Kelly Stargill of Lakeland says the unemployment situation is one more reason why their work will be especially hard this year. Things are doing well, um, as well as could be expected, considering what we've had to deal with in the state and nation. Um, so it's uh, all of you members, it's probably going to be, again, an unprecedented appropriations committee because our work um, is, 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 is a daunting task before us. It's always enjoyable when you can come up here and, and do the people's work and you have the ability to pay for the things that need to be done and the great ideas that are out there. Um, and unfortunately, this is not going to be that year. Your calendar of events today begins with a meeting of the Treasure Coast Regional Planning Council at 9.30 in Stewart. The Board of Nursing Home Administrators meets remotely at 10. The Board of Opticianry meets online at 12.15. The Council of Presidents of the Florida College System holds an online meeting at 1. And on Saturday, trustees from Indian River State College hold a retreat in Port St. Lucie beginning at 9. Finally today, it looks as though a Florida man will be followed by most of his kids when he leaves the White House. Donald Trump and the First Lady are talking about moving to Palm Beach, where he owns Mar-a-Lago. In December, Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner paid $32 million for an empty lot on a private island off Miami that's nicknamed the Billionaire Bunker. Donald Trump Jr. and his girlfriend, Kimberly Guilfoyle, are house hunting in Jupiter. And the New York Post says Tiffany Trump has been searching for a property in Miami. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we continue to plumb the depths of Florida politics.